Today is Friday. It's the fifteenth of February, two thousand nineteen. Today, Sayadaw will give a Dhamma talk to the Metta meditators. It's a talk with the title The Purification of the Heart and Mind. For people, for living beings, it is very important to purify their mind and heart. Only with a purified heart and mind will one be able to live peacefully, happily. If the mind and heart is not purified, if it is soiled, full of defilements, then... um, one experiences suffering, dissatisfaction. And when the mind is full of defilements, when there is a lot of mental stress, this can even lead uh, or that can lead a person to commit to commit suicide. Last year, they held a retreat here for Chinese meditators. So one of the meditators, a Mahayana monk, he uh, talked to Sayadaw and said, in my country, in China, many people commit suicide. So what can I do or what, can adv- what kind of advice can I give them? So if there is no way to prevent uh, a person from getting into deep mental stress or fall into depression, so if there is no way to prevent 
uh, people from falling into a depression, then uh, the result is that they uh, eventually commit suicide. However, if there is a way to purify the mind and heart uh, of a person who has fallen into depression or uh, suffers from great mental distress, then uh, such a person would not commit suicide. That's why it is so important to know how we can purify the heart and mind. Why it is important to know the method or a way to purify the heart and the mind. So, in most of the places uh, around the world, mental suffering, mental stress is increasing. And with the increase of mental distress and depression, uh, also the number of people who commit suicide is increasing. So that's why Sayato will give now this talk on how one can purify the heart and the mind. So these are ways how the mental distress, the mental suffering can be reduced and how it can be completely overcome. So there are six different ways. So the first way is one should not think about such things that will cause mental suffering, mental distress or depression to arise. So one should not think uh, such thoughts. But then, when people allow such thoughts to arise, then they dwell in these thoughts, they let them run through their minds, they follow 
these kinds of thoughts. And if one follows such thoughts that lead to mental distress, mental suffering, depression, then these thoughts, these emotions will become stronger and stronger. So that's why one should not engage in such thoughts that lead to mental suffering, mental distress or depression, meaning one should not think about, for example, a person who causes mental suffering to arise. One should not think about a situation that then gives rise to mental distress. One should not think about material things that cause mental distress to arise. So in this way, the mind will stay pure, it's purified, it will not fall into these negative thoughts. That's why we should avoid all kinds of subjects or persons or situations when thinking about that causes mental stress, mental suffering or depression. Then the second way for the purification of the heart and the mind, the second way is not to indulge in such kinds of thoughts, thoughts that lead to mental suffering or uh, stress, depression. So one should not indulge in these thoughts, one should not um, follow such kinds of thoughts. So this means one should not repeatedly engage um, in thinking about these kinds of thoughts. So this means that one should refrain from indulging in such kind of thoughts, objects that would lead to mental suffering. So, first of all, one should refrain from engaging in such thoughts and then 
The second way is if such kinds of thoughts have arisen, one should not indulge in them, one should not follow them. The mind, the mind and the heart, it can be transformed, it can be changed. But if one does nothing to change the heart and the mind, then it will only get worse. So Sayato will illustrate this point, how the mind can be changed, how it can be transformed. We will illustrate it with an example. At the time of the Buddha, there was a novice with the name of Pandita. And he was a student of the Venerable Sariputta. One day, the Venerable Sariputta went into town for arms round. And on the way to town, on his arms round, he saw the farmers, how they were watering their fields. So the way they were watering their fields was taking the water from a little water canal and then making little canals to let into the field. So digging these little canals leading into their fields and through their fields so the water then would flow along these canals into the fields. And the little novice Pandita was along with the Venerable Sariputta uh, on this arms round. And so the novice asked Venerable Sariputta, um, does the water have knowledge or can the water know something? And the Venerable Sariputta replied, no, the water cannot know. It, it, it is not alive. And 
And the novice then wanted to know um, the water, which uh, does not know, which not has no mind. Um, can one direct it? Is it possible to direct the water uh, to where one wants it to go? And Venerable Sariputta said, well, yes, look at uh, the water here, watering in the, that waters the fields. It goes where one has dug the canals. So the novice then was reflecting like this. Well, the water, which does not know, which has no mind, it can be directed to where I want it to go. And likewise, so the, the mind, my mind, which can know things, um, one can, one is also, that means even more so, one can direct the mind in the direction one wants it uh, to go. And then the novice told Venoplasariputta, um, I'm not coming along on arms round anymore. Uh, you go um, you go further alone. So with that, the novice went back to the monastery. He put down his arms bowl and sat down for meditation, practicing vipassana meditation. And when Venerable Sariputta came back from the arms round, by that time the novice had completely purified his heart and mind, and he had become an arahant, uh, fully liberated, fully enlightened as a novice. So through the practice of Vipassana meditation based on the Satipatthana Sutta, the novice or one uh, is mindful of whatever is arising in body and mind at the time of their arising 
uh, being mindful of each phenomenon in body and mind to see it as it is, to understand uh, the true nature. And in this way, by being mindful of each arising object, the hindrances, the nivaranas, um, cannot uh, arise and disappear. And so in this way, the mind can be completely purified. So you should understand if one um, trains the mind, if one, yeah, if one trains the mind, one can purify it completely. However, most people do not engage in purifying their mind, in training their mind. People mostly let their minds run freely and let their negative thoughts run freely. This is why mental stress, mental dissatisfaction, mental suffering is increasing nowadays. This morning, during an, during an interview, Sayato told one meditator that she should not put rubbish into her mind, into the heart not filling the heart and mind up with rubbish, but that she put in gold and precious stones into her heart and mind. So the nivaranas, the hindrances, are like rubbish. Um, you know, when uh, rubbish, um, referring to uh, pl plastic and so on, um, but uh, it's not leaves fallen down from trees. That's not rubbish. And metta, loving kindness, is compared to gold or to precious stones. So the, the heart and the mind is like a safe box. So what do you usually put into a safe? <laughs> Sh 
Do you put rubbish into a safe or do you put money and gold into a safe? Yes, one puts um, money or gold or diamonds into a safe. One doesn't put rubbish, um, plastic into a safe. If one would put in rubbish, then uh, it would become very messy. So rubbish is not something that one should keep. One should throw it away. Rubbish is something that should be thrown away. However, um, people, they, they keep it. So then with that, the safe becomes full with rubbish and there's no more place for the gold. So then there is nothing of value in the safe. So then the safe has become a rubbish bin. So our life, especially our heart and mind, is like a safe. But people, instead of putting money, gold, precious stones into the heart and mind, into the safe, they put rubbish into the heart and mind. They fill it up with many different kinds of rubbish. So then people's uh, hearts and mind, they become full with rubbish, full with the nivaranas, the hindrances. And that's why they experience mental stress, mental suffering, depression. But then, when people want to put in metta, 
like uh, the gold, the money, the precious stones, or when they want to put in vipassana, insight knowledge, they find that the heart, the mind, or the safe is already full. There is no more place to put something in. So then our life, our heart and mind has become like a rubbish bin, full of rubbish. And so uh, there is no value, it has no value. That's why one should not <coughs> keep those things which defile the mind, which uh, soil the mind. These things should be thrown away. Now, the third way of purifying one's heart and mind is to reflect on cause and effect. One should reflect about the causes giving effects. One should reflect whether this is true or not. The fourth way of purify, purifying the heart and the mind is to change the mind to an object that brings um, happiness or peace into the mind, that purifies the mind. So that means that um, when the mind is thinking about something that um, when the mind thinks about things that cause negative thoughts to arise when the mind becomes when there is mental suffering when it causes distress so one should take the mind away from that uh, object or that uh, cause that experience and uh, change the mind to something that makes the mind happy and peaceful so that could be that one looks at something that causes the mind to become happy and peaceful, or it could also mean to listen to something that causes the mind to become happy and peaceful, or choose any other object that causes the mind to become happy and peaceful. Mm-hmm. 
Then the fifth way of purifying the heart and mind is to engage in the practice of metta meditation or any other type of samatha meditation, concentration meditation. So therefore, please try to remember that when the mind is, uh, becomes distressed, dissatisfied, when there is uh, mental suffering, then uh, start to cultivate metta, uh, develop loving kindness. Then that mental stress, that dissatisfaction uh, will disappear. And when that mental dissatisfaction, the stress, the depression has disappeared, then the heart and the mind is purified. So therefore, you should understand that the practice of metta meditation is one of the ways to purify the heart and the mind. So then engage in this practice until all mental suffering, the distress, uh, depression uh, disappear. And then the sixth method of purifying the heart and mind is to practice vipassana meditation. So when there are distressing thoughts, when there is mental suffering, dissatisfaction, uh, and this kind of thoughts, then a way to purify the mind from these negative thoughts is to engage in vipassana meditation. Now Sayada will relate another example of how mental suffering, mental distress, negative thoughts can be overcome or can disappear through the practice of metta meditation and vipassana meditation. In 2016, Sayadaw was teaching a Vipassana meditation retreat in the north of China. This retreat was held in a Mahayana monastery and altogether 
there were 64 yogis. And one of the meditators was a woman and her health was not good. Well, uh, the, the manager of that retreat was telling Sayadaw that among the yogis there was this woman whose health was not good, who was sick, and he asked what they should do with this woman. And Sayadaw said, well, if she is so sick that she cannot practice meditation, then she should go back home. So then the retreat manager went to that yogi, to that woman, and told her what Sayadaw had said, that she should go back home. But then she said, oh no, please don't send me home. Please, I, do, uh, I don't want to go home. She said that she came from quite far away um, to this retreat center to practice meditation. And so then the retreat manager told this Sayado, and so Sayado said, okay, so please call this yogi. I want to talk to her. So then Sayado asked this meditator about her condition, what was her state, and uh, she said that uh, she could not sleep well, and she said that she didn't have appetite, that she didn't want to eat either. And she also said that uh, that she was afraid uh, when she was seeing other people. Um, she was afraid, so she didn't want to be among people. And she said that um, the day before she was greatly suffering, mental suffering, 
a lot of grief, a lot of despair, and she said that she was even bleeding from her mouth. So Sayadaw asked her what the reason was for her uh, mental suffering. She said that she was owning a business and uh, one day she had to deal with an agent. So um, one day meeting not only one agent, uh, a group of agents and talking to them, but they did not agree, so they started to abuse uh, each other, shout at each other, and this ended up in a fight, and her husband was with her, and in that fight, her husband was killed. He died. So she said, because I had to witness, I was seeing how my husband um, was hit, how he was bleeding, and how he finally died. That's why now I'm so afraid uh, to be among people. And when my husband had been killed, I was afraid that they were going to kill me. So um, I was even more afraid. So she asked these people to please uh, not to kill her, um, asking for forgiveness, and so they let her go. And so the woman said that ever since she was uh, always thinking about that incident and that this led to great uh, distress and grief and on account of that or because of that that she could not sleep well and that she had no appetite, didn't want to eat. And whenever she saw people she was very afraid. And 
So, in that state, one friend told this woman that if she would continue um, to dwell in these thoughts and be overcome with uh, grief and uh, fear, that uh, she surely would die. And that friend suggested that this woman should go to attend this meditation retreat which was going to take place, um, being led by a Burmese monk. And uh, so she said to Sayadaw that this is why she came to attend this meditation retreat, because she really wanted to practice meditation. She said that she she could not follow Sayadaw's advice on how to practice meditation because she was overwhelmed by these thoughts, by this mental stress, by the grief and by the fear. So then Sayadaw said, well then, you should not practice vipassana meditation, but you should cultivate metta, practice metta meditation. And so cultivate metta for all the meditators in the meditation hall. Develop metta for them by wishing them, may all meditators be well, happy and peaceful. May all meditators be well, happy and peaceful. And as a second step, Sayadaw told this woman, then cultivate loving kindness for all living beings, wishing all living beings, may they all be well, happy and peaceful, may all living beings be well, happy and peaceful. Then on the following day, the woman came to Sayadaw and reported that she was able to cultivate metta. And with that, in the evening when she went to bed, she could fall asleep. And then next morning at breakfast time, she was able to eat some rice gruel.
So then Sayadaw uh, said, okay, simply continue to cultivate metta in the sitting meditation. First of all, cultivate metta for all the meditators in the meditation hall. And then as a second step, cultivate metta for all living beings in the sitting. And during the walking meditation, likewise, half of the walking for all the meditators at that retreat and in the second half, metta for all living beings. In this way, Sayadaw um, made her practice metta meditation for five days. And uh, after five days, her facial expression changed. It became uh, serene and uh, it looked a happy face. And then in the interview, she said that she was able to cultivate metta and that the mind had become calm, that it had become peaceful. And Sayadaw said, well, you know, I already know before uh, you tell me because uh, your face has changed. It's not like at the beginning anymore, but now uh, the face looks happy and there is even a smile on your face. But then for the next five days, Sayadaw had her change to practice Vipassana meditation. And she was able to practice Vipassana meditation. She could do it well. So with each day, um, she looked brighter, happier, meaning uh, her mind, her heart become happier, more peaceful. And she came to understand that um, there is no so-called me or you, nor man or woman, uh, but that there are only mental and physical phenomena. And later on, she also clearly realized how these mental and physical phenomena were arising and passing away, one after the other, appearing and disappearing. Uh, 
Then on the eighth day of the retreat, she came quite early to Sayadaw's interview room. So then Sayadaw said, well, you know, on the list for the interview, you are only number 14. And she said, yes, I know, but I have to tell you something. I want to share my experience. She was very happy that Sayadaw gave her permission to share her experience. So she related that um, her thoughts, wandering mind, had become, um, had greatly reduced, that there were very few, and that she uh, saw very clearly how all the different Phenomena, the different objects were arising and then disappearing, disappearing, disappearing. And she said that at that time she noticed um, some lights, colorful lights appearing in her mind. So then by the end of the retreat, this woman had completely changed. It was not, she was not as she was at the beginning of the retreat. Now at the end of the retreat, um, she uh, looked happy, peaceful. She was light in her demeanor, in her actions. And at the end of the retreat, she uh, said, Sayadaw, oh, thank you very much, Sayadaw. You have changed my life. Because you have changed my life in a good way, in a good direction, I thank you so much. And Saida said, well, it's not me that have, has changed your life, it's the Dhamma that has changed your life. So she thought it was Sayado that had changed her life, but it was not Sayado. It was the Dhamma that has changed her life, or more exactly, um, her practicing the Dhamma has changed her life. Then the following year, in 2017, when Sayadaw went again to that 
place to that retreat center to conduct a retreat, this woman picked him up at the airport. And so she asked, Sayado, do you remember me? So Sayado looked at her, reflecting, and then he realized, yes, that was that uh, woman with the great mental distress who even was bleeding from her mouth. Uh, and she even, uh, or she said that she wanted to ordain as a nun. Sorry. Um, she had already ordained as a nun. Uh, she said that after that retreat, Sayadaw, um, she went to ordain as a nun. And Sayadaw asked her for how long she was going to be a nun. And she said, well, I will not disrobe anymore. I will stay a nun for the rest of my life. And uh, so he asked her what she was doing now with, as a nun, and she said that she uh, stayed in that medita- meditation center and that she was working in the office. So, Saido wants you to know and understand that there are these six ways of purifying the heart and the mind. That um, any of these ways can purify the heart and the mind from all those mental states which cause mental suffering, distress, um, or uh, depression. So, among these six ways of purifying the heart and the mind, the practice of metta meditation, cultivation of loving kindness, is uh, the best way of purifying the heart and the mind. So you should understand that now that you are practicing metta meditation, cultivating loving kindness, that you know 
this way of purifying the heart and the mind, and that is uh, a very good way to purify the heart and the mind, to purify the heart and the mind from um, all that causes um, mental stress, despair, um, mental suffering, and that with this way or method of metta, you can purify the heart and the mind, and with that purification, the mind becomes happy and peaceful. So do you remember these six ways of purifying the heart and the mind? So may you be able to remember these six ways of purifying the heart and the mind and now by engaging in the best of these ways, engaging in the cultivation of metta, may you be able to purify your heart and the mind so that the mind becomes uh, happy and peaceful. May you become virtuous people with a happy and peaceful heart and mind. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.